you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and begin turning to Matthew 22. We'll start there. But before we get started there, I want to kind of explain where the premise of this is coming from. And so uh, a couple of months ago, I listened to a, a little tape. It was recorded back in the 50s uh, of a preacher. And uh, he was explaining about who our king is. And his question is, do you know him? And that has been a very pondering you know, thought that I've pondered for quite some time. Uh, of do we really know who our king is? And I would probably venture to guess, unless you're a diligent Bible student, unless you are really into the Word of God every single day, or at least several times a week, and understanding where what is all contained in the Scriptures about that describe the attributes of who our king is, who he is, what he is, what he does, and I would imagine that you probably have a, just a small glimpse most of us stop at, well, we know that he saved us by his grace through his death, burial, and resurrection, by his precious, pure, you know, sinless, spotless blood that he had. Uh, and then we stop there, and I was like, well, we, God's taken care of, and that's all I need to know. Well, no. You need, there's a lot more depth to this. Uh, do you really know who our king is? And so um, one of the things that I will start with this morning is as you read your scriptures, uh, I just want to point out one uh, to maybe one or two places before we get started. But you think about going to over to the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John, you'll read about many I am statements that are there. You'll find that he's the bread of life. You'll find that he is the light of the world. You'll find over there that he is the good shepherd. And he says uh, he is not only just the good shepherd, but he's the door of the sheepfold. In chapter 8, you'll read that over there uh, he was rebuking the Pharisees in which they didn't really like him. But he said before Abraham was, I am. Uh, you'll read in John 15 where he said that he is the, uh, he's the vine and we are the branches. And his father is the husbandman or the tender to the branches or to the vine. Uh, <clears throat> and so you can look at uh, many of these examples there in John. And John also says that he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the resurrection and the life. Those are many things that describe our Lord. But you could turn over to Isaiah 9 and read over where we call him counselor. We call him wonderful. We call him the mighty God. He is our prince of peace. You turn over to the first uh, book, uh, first uh, chapter of the book of Revelation, you'll read over there where he says he's the first and the last. He is Alpha and Omega. And I'll read one section of scripture uh, over there for you in, in Revelation 1, where he says right at the tail end, he says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. We believe in a God that lives. John, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that if we don't believe in a God that lives, our faith is vain, our preaching is vain. And so, what are we doing here tonight? Who are we worshiping? My question is, do you know Him? Do you know who your God is? Do you know much about Him? Do you know what His attributes are? Uh, We know that He is all-powerful, that we know that He is all-knowing. He is uh, omnipresent. He is nowhere absent. Uh, I I read in the Scriptures where He doesn't sleep. You know, now Jesus, when He was here on earth, He slept in the ship that night. But He had a a man-made body. He He was in an earthen vessel. But God doesn't sleep. He is always there. And he also, uh, the Bible tells us that his arm is not too heavy, nor his ear, his ear too heavy, nor his arm too short, that he does not hear our prayers. So do you know him this evening? Do you know who our God is? And the reason I'm bringing this question up to you this afternoon is because I want to pick out one attribute of God tonight just to share with you all. I'm going to share it tonight, and I'm also going to continue that subject tomorrow morning. For those that just missed it tonight, well, they missed it. And so, uh, so I want to talk about God, our rock, the Lord, our rock. Uh, there are many verses that I could turn to uh, this, mo- this, uh, this evening. But to start out, I want to start in Matthew 22. 
And in Matthew 22, the disciples there come to, he's got these, uh, uh, the Pharisees are gathered and a lawyer comes and asks him a question. He says in verse 35, then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, now, one, we know that we should not tempt the Lord thy God. That's one thing we should not do. But they were testing him, see if they could find him in a fault. And he says, master, which is the great commandment in the law? And so he would turn to them and, and, and to this lawyer and say, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And this is the first and great commandment, but the second is likened to the first. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. All right. Now, as, as much as I want to think about uh, many, many things that I could bring out of this, but I, I want to briefly make a couple of comments in regards to that on this hangs all the law and the prophets. Uh, you know, we, as we think about loving the Lord thy God with all our heart, soul, and mind, what does that really mean? And then it gets to the question of, you know, we should love our neighbors. And, you know, when we think about loving our neighbors, the common, you know, saying that I hear from a lot of people, at least churches that I go to, well, pastor or preacher, could you tell me who my neighbor is? And that's just an excuse to find out not to do what God's word is telling you to do. But in, let's play along with that for a second. You know, if you're asking those types of questions, then you've failed on the first commandment already because you obviously don't love God enough. And so my question to God's people is, do you really know him? Do you know enough about him to really know how much love that we should, should, that we should be giving to him? Um, and my, and my, my belief and my, my thought process is that we can't ever get to loving our neighbor the way we ought to until we learn how to love God the right way. And if we can learn how to love God the right way, then we'll figure out how to love our neighbor. In fact, it will become so easy to us because we love God so much. Uh, we won't care about so many of the things that drag us down. And the problem is, is the love of self. You think about the parable of the rich young ruler that came to Jesus. And he said, you know, um, you know and Jesus, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and Jesus turns to him and says, you know, he says, you know, don't commit adultery. Don't, you know, kind of lists off to him pretty much eight of the Ten Commandments. And uh, in doing so, he says, I've kept these for my youth up. Well, a very thought, thought-provoking moment in, in reading that is he didn't tell him to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind in that particular section. Or to, love the, or to have, as we would re- read over in Exodus, have no other gods before me which is the first great you know, commandment that he gave uh, to the children of Israel. And so you think about the problem of the rich young ruler was the fact he loved himself too much. He, what did he have? He, went, he says, if you, he says you know, uh, what did he say there? He says, um, all of these have I kept from my youth up. He says, but one thing thou lackest, Jesus told him. He says, sell all that thou hast and follow after me. And he went away for sorrowful because why? He had many possessions. He refused to deny himself and to, and to take up his cross and follow after Jesus Christ. And that was one of the things he lacked. We love ourselves too much. We, and so in loving ourselves and the pride of life that lifts us up so many times, we fail in understanding what does it really mean to love the Lord. And in not knowing how to love the Lord, it's because we don't know enough about him. The more I can tell you from my own experience with my wife, I, yes, we shared the other night uh, stories around the table about how we met and how, uh, you know, some of the fun quirkiness of going through our dating process and how bad it was. And then how, but over the months, as it just kept progressing, as I learned more about her and more about her, as I got to know the family and I got to see her, the love that she had, not only for her family, but the passion in her heart and wanting to have kids and the love that she had in her soul to give to somebody else, it made me love her even more. 
And I like to think I'm not going to put words in her mouth about me. I don't, you know, I'm not going to say that about why she loves me. But um, the more and more I learned about her, the more and more I drew closer to her. See, over in, uh, in John chapter 15, after he gets done telling the, uh, his disciples that I am the vine, ye are the branches, he begins to tell them, if ye abide in me and I in you, if you love me, keep my commandments. These are the things that we're learning as you go through across all these scriptures and you look at that. And he says that if we have to draw closer to him, so how are we going to draw closer to God? We've got to know more about him. And how do you, you know, so many times when the trials of life come over us, we have to learn about him. Go over to Matthew chapter 11. He says over there as he's talking to his, Jesus, to his disciples, he, it says, At that time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in thy sight. To reveal what? To reveal his word and his truth to, to those that he chose to reveal his word and his truth to. All these things, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. That's very important as we go through this because we're going to grab several verses tonight. So y'all bear with me as we try to keep up with lots of, a lot of these things. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He's telling his disciples, he's come, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He says, come, learn, take my yoke upon you, learn, learn about me. Over in, I um, believe it's in Romans chapter 15, it would tell us the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. So it's not only good, you know, it's not only good for us to learn about Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross and the, thing, the, and the gospels and what he wrote and uh, what is left recorded for us, his work on the cross and the apostles, their, their, their works and acts and the letters that Paul and Peter and James wrote and John wrote in the New Testament. You need to understand who the God of the Old Testament was as well because you know what? Malachi tells us over in Malachi chapter 6 verse 4, believes is, I am the Lord God and I change not. He doesn't change. He's the same. He's the same God. He had a way. He, the same way that he saved the children, the the, the 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 I guess people in the Old Testament is the same way he saved people in the New Testament. There's no difference. Okay, so we need to go and learn about God in all aspects throughout all Scripture, and it's contain the fullness of God is just so rich. I, I have a list back home. And it's not a complete list. It's about a hundred things of where I went out and, and went to find out, you know, all the attributes of God. He's the, he's the lawgiver. He's the, he's the just judge. He is, um, he's, uh, he's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's a high priest. I mean, where do I end with understanding all what, you know, you know, all these attributes about who my God is and who your God is and who we gather to worship? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He says, come and learn. So we can carry that over uh, to Matthew chapter 16. And in Matthew chapter 16, he's talking to his disciples. In this, uh, in this section here, Jesus came to them, and he's on the coast of Caesarea Philippi. And uh, here in Caesarea Philippi, there's a place called Dan. But we'll talk about that in just a minute. He says, Who, and he's asking his disciples a question. This is Matthew 16, verse 13. He says, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And, he's, and the disciples, he says, some say that thou art John, the, you know, the Baptist, some Elias, some of Jeremiah, or, or one of the prophets, just one of these prophets that's around. 
He says, but whom do ye, who, the disciples, who do you, and I'll ask this question, who do you think Jesus is? Who do you, and he's asking his disciples, who do ye say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, what did we just read over there in Matthew chapter 11? He says that those that will, under, that will know the Son and know the Father, it's whom they will reveal him. It's the same thing that happened on the road to Emmaus after the post-resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus is walking and talking with these men, and they're, they're upset because Jesus has died, and they were talking about him in the past tense. And he walked with them all day until the point in time where he's eating a meal with them that night or that evening, and he finally revealed himself to them. Jesus has the ability to reveal himself to whoever he wants. Go and read chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 8. He says, For all shall know him from the least to the greatest, not by our power, but by his power through the gift of the Holy Ghost to us. And so in revealing this, in, in Jesus revealing this to, uh, to uh, Simon, Peter, or to Peter here, he says, Blessed art thou, Peter, for flesh and blood is not revealed. In other words, you didn't hear it by a preacher or any other method. He says, Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, which is to mean a stone, and, he's, and upon this rock will I build my church. <coughs> And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, one, I want to clean up some bad teaching. Many would take this, this scripture here and say that stone or this, uh, this rock upon this rock was upon Peter. And then that Peter was the foundation of the church. I am here to contend that no, that is not the right teaching. Jesus was talking to Peter that upon this rock, what is the rock? The rock was that Jesus is the son of God, the son of the living God, Okay. And so that's the rock in which you and I are founded on. And he says here, going on, he says, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, in Caesarea Philippi, my parents went over to Jerusalem not too long ago, a couple of years, and they were there in Caesarea Philippi, a place called Dan. And over there, if you can imagine, this rock wall, this big rock with little areas like hewed out of it where they would place their idols. And they actually referred to that place as the gates of hell because it was a place of idol worship. And so they were there in that very land. He's, he's pointing to these, like, these gates of hell, this idol worship, these false gods that, are, that you're worshiping. These gates of hell are not going to prevail against the church, that he is the Christ, that he is the living God, and he is the cornerstone of that church. Okay? The gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. It doesn't matter what's going on in this world today. I tell you, there's teaching going on everywhere. You can find it in the news. You can find it in the school system. Find it in politics. Find it in sports venues. You can find it wherever you want to. Find it in the magazines at the, at the stores and find it in reading books. You can find multiple teaching everywhere. But I tell you, as long as he is sitting on the right hand of the throne of God, he says the gates of hell are not going to prevail against his church. And it's going to be here till he comes back. And that's something I get happy about. Because why? It's founded upon a rock. And you know what that rock is? It's Jesus Christ. And I'm so happy about that. Now, then, in thinking about uh, him being our rock and our, our cornerstone, uh, because it, the, another attribute of God is, is he is our cornerstone. Now, 
I'm looking at this building here, and I know last year when I was here, y'all were still doing some work, and y'all were trying to get it back squared up again because of some things. Why? Because it's got to be standing sure on that cornerstone. Well, that's us today. We have trials of life that happen to us, and we get, to, we get affected by the trials and troubles that are going on around us. It could be in our jobs. It could be the stress of a work situation. It could be the stress of a marriage. It could be the stress of raising up children. I've got two of my own. And you know what? As long as you're founded upon a rock, you're going to stand sure. But the Apostle Paul gives us a brief warning about this, and we'll go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, Paul considered himself to, you know, here in Corinthians, in, in his letters to the Corinthian church, the church at Corinth had a lot of problems. And in many of those problems that they had, um, you know, Paul writes his first letter in, in, in strong rebuke. And in, in rebuking them, it's because what they did is they took the church that Paul and probably other ministers that Jesus and, and other that, they estab- that they had first established, and they weren't careful about how they built upon the foundation. And so Paul begins in the third chapter of writing this, cautioning them about how they build upon this foundation. And we're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. He says, Who then is Paul? Who then is Apollos? He's saying, who am I as Paul and who am I as Apollos? He says, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Paul is immediately saying, who am I Apollos and who am I Paul? Because it's not about the minister. When a church gathers together, I know there is a God-called minister, and, and we have leaders that have led music tonight. Worship is not about the minister, it's not about the song leader, and it's not about any individual here. You're, you're gathered to worship because you're here to worship God. Because we're supposed to be founded upon the rock, and we're supposed to be worshiping the rock, okay? Uh, who is Jesus Christ. Let's re- reiterate that. Paul says, I've planted, Apollos watered, but God, God gave the increase to the church. Paul says that, he says, I went out and sowed seeds, I planted, Paulus watered, you know, trying to tend to the vineyard or the, or, the, or, the, or, the, or the pasture, if I can say it that way. He says, but God gave the increase, he says, all the glory should be going back to God. He says, so then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are laborers together. Paul's saying we're laborers together, just as me and Brother Dolph are ministers. We're laborers together in our own way. Though we're hundreds of miles in distance, we're still laborers together for the cause of Christ. He says, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. Now I want you to catch this. Paul laid a foundation. You know what the foundation that Paul laid? Go back and read chapter 2. He says, For I determined not, verse 2 of chapter 2, For I determined not to know anything among you save what? Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That was what He came to preach. He was saying, I came to preach unto you, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that was what, He says, I'm a master builder, and I've laid that foundation of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, and another has built upon that. Now, here comes the caution for you and me as, as not only uh, God's children, uh, whether and I'm going to make two parallels today. You're going to see me probably switch back and forth to some of this. You as an individual, you as a church. Maybe another one would be maybe you as a family, okay? The family needs to be founded upon a rock. You as an individual need to be founded upon a rock. 
Church needs to be founded upon a rock. Okay? And so catch this what he said, what Paul says here. It is given unto me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation, that foundation that Jesus Christ and him, and him crucified, and another buildeth thereon. But every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Man, it makes me pause. I remember from my youth, my, my dad took me to church, and I've, I've gone to singing schools, I've gone to church meetings. But, you know, when I got to, into high school and I got to college and, you know, you know, I, I, I was a, probably a typical high school and college student in the sense that I had my own problems. I had my own fleshly tendencies, if I can say it that way. And I was drawn to things that I shouldn't have been drawn to. I was drawn to crowds I shouldn't have been drawn to. I was drawn to environments I should not have been in. And you're saying, what are some of those? Drugs, alcohol, not saying I did all of these, by the way. I'm saying environments, so let's not blow this out of proportion. But, you know, and even in my own family, I had, I had cousins addicted to drugs. I had uh, uncles addicted to alcohol. I've, had, uh, I've watched people destroy their lives. I've been in with uh, my personal friends who I, had to, who I watched struggle and commit suicide. I've dealt with my personal friends that have had problems with pornography and those types of things. I've watched and seen all of this, and I've watched, you know, so take heed how you build thereupon. And why am I bringing this out? All these people I've mentioned to you were taken to church. They were brought up in church. Mamas and daddies took them to church. They heard the gospel preached. But you know what? They didn't take heed how they built upon their foundation. You know, there's something meant that I, I need to pause and say. Because if you go back and read the parable of the, so- of the soils, you'll go over there and read that there was a particular ground that wasn't, the, the seed that was sown wasn't able to take root. Okay? And if, you, if you're not able to take root, you're not able to grow thereby. You're not able to get the nutrients out of the ground. And when the water comes, it might wash you away instead of being able to soak up the water that is there. So you've got to be founded, surely grounded on these things. And so it says, take heed how you build thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He laid the foundation. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, those are analogies. You can build upon it, and I could throw my own analogies. I wouldn't want to add to the Word of God, but I'm trying to make it make sense for us. If we build upon our foundation by chasing money, if we build upon that foundation by chasing, uh, by chasing dreams that are probably not achievable, and, we, and, and when I say dreams, I'll give you an example. Years when I was younger, I wanted to be a golfer, brother brother Lincoln. I really did. But you know what my dad told me as soon as I got started? He says, you ain't ever going to be a golfer. I said, what are you talking about? He says, you ain't golfing on Sunday. He says, all their tournaments end on Sunday. He says, you're never going to go to church. And I was like, well, that was a sobering thought. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm golf's out. You know, guess what? I've never been to a NASCAR race. Want to know why? All the races are on Sunday. You know, I don't go to NFL games. Want to know why? Well, there's none in Alabama anyways. But, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't go because I don't, I don't even really watch them on television. Why? They're on Sunday. Okay? So how do you build upon that foundation? It's your distractions and what you go after. The Bible tells us over in uh, Matthew chapter, uh, we'll go to the Sermon on the Mount now, and we'll, end, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll keep going with some thoughts over there. And over on the Sermon on the Mount... You have uh, many different things that Jesus taught here about. And again, his, one of the, you know, it's revered as, as, as an awesome sermon. At the end of this, in chat, at the end of chapter 7, they were astonished at his doctrine and what all he taught. 
But you think about everything that he taught. He taught about the Beatitudes. Blessed are those that are meek and that are, um, that are poor in spirit. And that are, uh, blessed are those that are merciful and those that are peacemakers. And those that are persecuted for righteous sake. And uh, many of those wonderful teachings. He taught us to be salt and he taught us to be uh, light in this world. He taught about murders and divorce and oaths and retaliation. Love and giving of alms. He talked about prayer talked about our wealth he says for where your treasure is there will your heart be also where's your treasure at is it on the rock or is it in the things of this world and i can tell you even in my own battles in the last year alone i had to come to the face of of my own um, crossroads in my life did i love chasing a dream of my job and trying to maybe get to a position or, or or something else or did i recognize that what's better is that i'm there for my children except whatever the lord may bless and know that they need their father. They don't need a father that's angry, upset, comes home, doesn't play with them. No, they need a leader. They need a guider. They need a father that loves them and cares for them and wants to know them to know that I want the best for them. So this is for all. And I, and I do hold men of the church to a very high standard. Uh, it is on you as leaders of your home. And if you don't know some of these, these things, I want you to dig into them and learn them. Why? Because it's important. Where is your treasure at? You know what? Where your treasure is, fathers of the home, that's where your, tri- your children and your wife will end up putting their treasures. And you know what? Their heart will follow after those things. Now, if your, heart and your, if your treasure is in the Lord, if your treasure is in coming to church, if your treasure is reading the Bible and raising your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, guess where your heart's going to be? It's going to be in the Lord. There was a dear sister friend of mine years ago. It's probably 15, gosh, maybe 20 years ago now. I'm losing track of time. And uh, she came to me and read to me a particular verse. Y'all hold your fingers there in Matthew chapter uh, 7. But she came to me one time and she asked me a question. She says, uh, hey, I want to read you a verse here. And she turns to Psalm 37 and she goes, verse 4. She goes, delight thyself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of thine heart. She looks at me just as serious as can be. It says, see right there, if I just delight myself in the Lord, then he's going to give me everything I want. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. How are you delighting yourself in the Lord? I said, your will has got to align with the Lord's will. All right? Amen to that. Because you can be delighting yourself in the Lord, and he's not going to give you everything you want. He'll give you what you need. We read that here in Matthew chapter 6. He feeds the, the fowls of the air. He says, he closed, he cl- and he closes us. Why take ye thought for, for raiment? Consider the lilies and how they grow. They toil not nor spin. Do you not think the Lord cares for you? He's going to provide for every single thing that you need. This is an excellent sermon that he reads, but he concludes in Matthew 7 by talking about two houses that are built on two different types of foundation. Y'all know this very well. I'm sure y'all have read this many times. But he says here, he says, Therefore, verse 24 of uh, Matthew 7, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. I want to pause. There's a condition there. It is a hearing of them, and then there is a doing of them. Uh, we, you know, we, we, me and Brother Dolph have been talking back and forth about different circumstances we've been in over the years, and we find people that are not teachable. You know, they may hear you, but they're not doing what you tell them to do. 
I've got a dear friend of mine that I'm thinking about at this very moment. I'm not going to mention who it was, but I've given him loads of advice, loads of advice. And finally, I had to tell him, well, you don't listen. He says, well, I listen to everything you say. And I said, no, you don't, because you ain't done a single thing of instruction that I've given you to do. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I'm going to liken him to a wise man. You want to be wise in the Lord? Hear the word of God and then do them. Your pastor gets up here and he tries to preach on Sunday morning. He tries to probably minister to you throughout the week, Wednesday night Bible studies. He tries to minister to the men, maybe through phone calls. He probably comes up here lots of times by himself and just prays for each and every one of you. He's waiting to see you do the things that he's instructing you to do. And if you do these things, you're wise. Okay, and let's keep going here. It says, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. A rock. For when the storms came, he says, and when the rain descended and the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not. All right, so let's bring this into modern terms today. Fathers, this is for fathers, this is for, uh, for pastors of churches, this is for all of us. He says, I will liken it to when the rain descended or the floods came. What are those things that come? decisions that you make in your life tough decisions do i go this way or do i go that way i think about that poem by robert frost where he says um um he came into a yellow wood and it was the road not taken is the where's the one i'm trying to think of and he says i took the one less traveled by and it made all the difference you know the way of the world is going to take the common lane. It's going to take the way that everybody else is going. Right now, there's a lot of teaching going on in the news and in the media. There's parades and all sorts of stuff. We just got out of June. And they want you to accept those types of teachings. Those are floods and a rain that are descending upon us as individuals that we're, are supposed to be founded upon a rock. Okay, And we're not supposed to be moved. Those are the floods and the rains. They may come in ways of debt and finance. They may come in ways of uh, different types of troubles in the sense of, you know, you lose your job or uh, maybe something has happened as you've lost a family member, for example. But I tell you, even in the events of death, we've had some deaths that have occurred back home in our church recently. And I look at some of the ones that, have, that are family members of those that have lost loved ones. And I'm telling you, if you understand and are founded upon that rock, you'll have the attitude that says, it's okay, I'm going to see him again one day. Yes, I miss him, but you know what? I know where they're at. I know they're, they're singing around the throne of God as we speak right now. And you know what? I'm going to see them one day. It gives me hope. Most times I go to funerals and I see, I know there's sadness at funerals. I've been to funerals. I remember when my grandmother passed away in 2015. I was sad, but you know what? I'm going to see her again. And because I know that, I, and I don't say that doubtingly, I say that knowing that. Why? Because I went and learned of my Lord. And what, has I, what have I learned of my Lord? He says... To be absent from the body is to be present with Him. All right? I know that to be true. I don't have a hope that goes down. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6, uh, chapters, uh, I believe it's chapter 6, would tell us we have an anchor for the soul. And that hope goes up into the veil above. That's where our hope is, okay? So if we, uh, when these rains and floods come and it blew it and it beat upon this house, when those trials come, if you're founded upon that rock, if you're founded, you won't fall. I know it's been true in my life, especially through my time in college and early on. Got out of college. Didn't know whether I'd meet anybody and whether I'd get married. Didn't know what was going to come. And I thought for a long time there that I'd be alone. 
Maybe just marriage wasn't my thing, wasn't going to work out for me. And I'm thankful that I have what I have today, uh, more than blessed. And, you know, you have to remember that God's going to take care of you. Cast your care upon him, for he careth for you. That's another attribute of God. God cares about you. Our rock cares about us. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. So let's catch the other side. Now, now you hear them. Now, I run into this a lot. And like the young man I mentioned just a few minutes ago, he hears the instruction, but he's like, no, I got a better idea. Reminds me of what you read in the Proverbs. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, and the end thereof are the ways of death. You can come up with your own ideas and your own thoughts about what you need to do about things, and you can sit here on Sunday morning and hear the preaching of the gospel from the pastor, and you may say, he's just, he's just off his rocker today. He doesn't know my situation. He doesn't have to know your situation. All he delivered, if he's doing it the right way, he gave you the word of God. God knows your situation. Your problem's not with the pastor. Your problem's with God's word. We got to be founded upon the rock. We got to start taking heed to it a lot more. He says, And everyone that heareth these things of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And here's probably my, the part that scares me the most. And great was the fall of it. It wasn't just a little fall. It was a great fall. That scares me when I start following after myself or my own ways to recognize that if I'm not founded upon that rock just where will I potentially end up it starts out slow little rebellion here my disagreements here with that it, it happens but so and surely it gets more comfortable and Satan keeps whispering into your ear see it's not that big of a deal it is a big deal it's a bigger deal than you could possibly imagine because you don't know What's around the corner? A couple of months ago, I was preaching about trying to see God in the storm. And uh, I thought about, you know, sometimes we, we are conditioned by men, uh, by growing up while, when, with driving 16, 15, 16 years old. You come to a stop sign, you look left, you look right, you look left again, and then you pull out. Same way when you come to the end of a hallway, say uh, like you're in a hospital or somewhere, you come to the end of the hallway, you're looking around the corner. <laughs> But that's our nature. You know, we have a hard time stepping out on faith, not knowing what's be around the corner. For we walk by faith, not by sight, the scripture tells us, okay? And it's hard for us to do that because we want to know. We want to have, we want to, dare I say, sometimes we want to play God. And we, God calls us to trust him. His thoughts over in Isaiah 55, he says, his thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways. Okay? There are certain things contained in the scriptures here that we're never going to be able to fully understand. But one of these days when we see him face to face, we're going to know. And I have had to come to peace with that. But that doesn't mean that I'm not to start now trying to figure out, okay, if I'm supposed to build myself upon this rock and I need to be careful of how I'm building upon that foundation, the warning the Apostle Paul gave to the church at Corinth, be careful how you build on that foundation as an individual, as a father and a husband in my, in my family, as a pastor and as a congregant member of the church. You think about all these examples. How are you going to build upon that foundation? We have to be very, very careful. 
couple of places that I want to, to describe to you uh, to, uh, before we uh, end, end this evening is if we were to turn over to Psalm chapter 62. Now David here, in writing some of these psalms, and I'm trying to give you some more attributes about our Lord. Now, in, now, we may not read the whole thing. We may just read a couple of things. Well, we may end up reading it all. It says, hear my, hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. All right, so now you think about the, the, the fact that you're supposed to be founded upon this rock and the church is supposed to be founded upon the rock, but the trials and the troubles are going to come. David cries out unto the Lord, says, lead me back to the rock. Lead me back to that rock that is higher than me. Remember, I just got done saying that his thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways, okay? So we have to go back to the rock who understands our problems, who understands our concerns, who knows every bit about us. He would tell us over in uh, Hebrews chapter 4. I want to grab this verse real quick. You don't have to turn there. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then we have a great high priest that is passed into heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So he was tempted just the same as we are, but he did it without sin. And we have an advocate, which is Jesus Christ, our Father, uh, our, our, the Son of God, uh, to the Father. He is our advocate to the Father. He says, and let us come boldly to the throne of grace. What for? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So what is, what is David doing here? He's going back to the rock. He's saying, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. How can our heart get overwhelmed? I, my heart gets overwhelmed all the time. I get overwhelmed sometimes just driving down the road. There's crazy drivers out there. I get overwhelmed sometimes with having to go and work, work a job every day. I get overwhelmed with even the teaching of the singing school this weekend. And you know what? Even though I was nervous about it, I felt like the Lord blessed and it was a good time. It was a fun time. But we get overwhelmed over many things. It's loved ones that get sick. I love my mother to death. Uh, but every now and then she just gets sick. And every time I get worried about her because I know it's kind of hereditary with some of the conditions that my, my mom all had. And uh, I get worried about, I get overwhelmed, but I have to go back to the rock that's higher than I, who knows about the condition, that knows about it. Why? Even in, in, even in a church, I mean, there's, there's things that go on in churches. Uh, there's uh, little spit spats here and there, and, you know, things happen, disappointments happen, and things, ha- things just happen in a church. Well, where are we all going to go? You got to go back to the rock that's higher than us. Come together, pray, come together, come together and sing, speak. Speak to the rock now, because that's what we're called to do. For thou hast been a shelter for me. Oh, so now we got another attribute of God. So not only he is our rock that we are standing on, but he is our shelter, okay? He is our shelter. He says, thou hast been a shelter to me and a strong tower for mine enemy. He's a shelter and a strong tower. So now I'm going to grab a few other attributes. But while I'm standing to this rock that's higher than I and I'm looking to him, he is my shelter. He's my, there's a song we sing in our hymn books. 
304, I believe it is. It's 304, 302. Our hiding place, hell, sovereign love that first began. He's our hiding place. It's a place of shelter. And you say, what kind of shelter is it? It could be a place where Satan can't touch you. You want to know who had a hedge and a shelter about him? Job did. Job and read Job chapter 1. Job, uh, Job uh, uh, God and uh, Satan are having a conversation. He says, where has thou been? So he says, walking to and fro, up and in down the earth. Why? He's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And if you think for one second that he's not going to attack you and try to devour you, you're not taking heed to God's word. Okay? He, our enemy, Satan, is after you and looking to devour you constantly. And he says, as thou considered my servant Job, he says, why would I? You've got this hedge of protection about him, uh, Lord. And the Lord removed that hedge. He says, you can touch him, you just can't touch his life. In other words, you can't kill him. Now that's a pondering thought. Can, can we get to such a state where we can get in such a heaviness of sin and trial and trouble where we could end up losing our life? The answer is yes. Now, I have thanks be to God, we have an eternal Savior. He saved us eternally. Jeremiah 30 and 3, I think it is, or 33 and 3, tells us over there that He loved us with an everlasting love. In other words, we understand there's nothing that, that we can do to lose our salvation, uh, even in suicide. Okay? Overdoses. Isn't that such a wonderful message that we ought to be getting out to our communities? That we believe that even though bad circumstances happen, that God, we have a God that we believe in that loves His people. Despite the sins that maybe we get into. Now, all the while, we need to also encourage that the Word of God change that individual, okay? And to try to change from that sin and to turn from that sin. But we have a place of shelter, okay? We have a place of shelter. He's our strong tower. Another place that we could turn to over in 2 Samuel chapter 22. I want to grab this one really quick. Y'all just hold your hand there in Psalms. 2 Samuel 22 in verse 2, he says, And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress. Oh, he's our shelter, he's our fortress, and my deliverer, the God of my rock. In him will I trust. Ooh, this is good language, isn't it? In him will I trust. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my high tower and my refuge, my Savior, thou savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. Oh, we've got, so we've got, you know, we're reading about the rock in which we're standing on. He's our shield. He's our high tower. He's our fortress. He's our hiding place. He's a place of refuge for us. There's that song we sing in our hymn books, 192. God has been my refuge daily. Okay? Go and read the words of that song. Do you believe them? Trust in them. Follow them. Do them. He will liken to you as a wise man. He says, For thou hast, back in Psalm uh, verse 3, uh, Psalm 61, For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower. You know what? The Lord, in it being described as also a strong tower, He can see dangers and things you can't see. We like to think we've got everything figured out. I, as a young adult, my dad would testify this, and he would, if he were here with me, he'd just probably amen it and laugh along with me. But I was stubborn. But you know what? I thought I could figure everything out. I thought I could see the ends. I thought I knew it all. He could, I was not teachable at one point, Brother Dolph. I just wasn't.
until you find times in your life where the Lord strikes you down. And you have to admit the same thing that, Mo, that Job admitted finally in the 42nd chapter of the book of Job. You'll read over there where he says, I uttered words without knowledge. He didn't know what he was talking about. You know how many times we have to recognize to ourselves we don't know what we're talking about? If you want to be founded upon a rock, start with admitting you don't know everything. You need to go back to the rock that's higher than I. You need to go back and, and dwell with the comforter that John 14 and John 16 tells us about over there where Jesus was telling his disciples, if I don't go away, I can't send unto you my comforter. Why was it necessary? Because he had to die. He had to accomplish the very thing that you and I couldn't accomplish, which was salvation for his people. Blood, the, the sacrifice of blood and goats could not ever once accomplish any of those things. But by one man, by one sacrifice, he entered him once to the holiest of holies, and accomplish salvation for you and me. And I tell you, he's saying, if I go away, he's going to send this comforter who's going to do what? Teach you all things and bring to remembrance the things that he had taught them. That's what we have to trust in. He says, for thou hast been my shelter for me and a strong tower. He can see those things that we can't see. I will abide in the tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. And thou hast given me a heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever, O prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Daily. Daily. The Bible tells us over in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that he seeks those that would diligently follow him. It's a diligent service. Go read over in 2 Peter chapter 1, I believe it is. He says, added to your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge and all these things. It says, if you go and read there, he starts with diligence, ends with diligence. Daily, daily vows. It's a daily thing. Church and worship is not just about Sunday morning. It's not, if you want to be founded upon this rock, you can't just come to church, hear the sermon and go home and do whatever you want to do. It's an everyday establishment, stand fast on the rock. If the church is going to stand, it's got to be consistent on the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. Don't let bad teaching come into this place. Stand upon the rock of Jesus Christ. You want to improve your marriages? Get God right in the middle of your marriage. You look to Him when things are bad. When you're having a spit spat, pray together. Love together. When you have your children, get, don't, don't go to sleep without praying to your children. Pray with them. It takes five seconds. doesn't take long at all. If you do nothing more than teach your children to pray the prayer that I pray with them every night, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for my family. Help me to sleep good tonight. Amen. It's good. It's good for them. And it's teaching them somebody who they can talk to. Because we have one that, that's a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. Oh, we've got somebody to rejoice in. Do you know him? Do you know who God is? I've just described so many things. The rock was one thing, but he's our shield and fortress and strong tower, our refuge. Go on to Psalm 62, verse 1 and 2. Truly in my soul waiteth upon the God, from, from him cometh my salvation. He only is my rock. In other words, David's saying he's the only one that I want to stand on. You see, that's, you wonder about all these, these, these lies that are being spread around the nation today about so many, so many things. You know what? You want some truth? Go back to Jesus Christ. He said He was the way, the truth, and the life, okay? 
You want some truth? Go find him. Paul makes me think about the Pontius Pilate who came and says, well, what is truth? He was standing in the very embodiment of truth. Oh my goodness, how can we just overlook those simple things that are so marvelous in the scriptures? He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. Those shelters, the high tower, the refuge, all of that is a defense mechanism for us. I shall not be greatly moved. Will you be moved? Do you know him? Do you really know him? Do you really understand what it means to love the Lord, thy God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind? Do you know the depth, the breadth, the width, the height, all of that of what it means to really love the Lord? Oh, there's so much to learn about him. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I'll end with this one. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 1. David said he shall not be greatly moved. Paul encouraged the Galatians who had a problem with false doctrine that came into the church. They wanted to go back under circumcision, which has been, he described as bondage. And there's several different bondages that we can be in. You could be in bondage in debt. You could be in bondage to, uh, in the Southeast, I would tell you, you could be in bondage to Southeastern college football for all I care. Because your world revolves around that between September and December. And, if, and if, if that's not bad enough, if they're not watching the football game, they're out deer hunting. And you can't get them to church on Sunday morning. And I hope I'm not stepping on anybody's toes this, this, this evening. Uh, but there's a lot of things that can keep us from doing what we need to do. But see, see, David says, I shall not be moved. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith you have been called. Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Do you know him? Do you know about God? Do you know really who he is? Do you love him enough? I challenge you tonight to think about these things that I have mentioned. Go home, study about him. Take his yoke upon you and learn about him. Why? I didn't do do justice by not finishing the text. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In the world that we're living in, I fear for the children that we have that I see, I've seen here this weekend. What's life going to be like when they're 18? What's it going to be like when they're 20 or 25? What's it going to be like when they have children? I'm going to take the yoke of my Lord upon me. I'm going to continue learning about Him and I'm, I know because of what he is, he's my rock, he's my fortress, he's my shelter, he's my refuge, he's my high tower. He is the mighty God. And if we look to him for our daily needs, we will be blessed. Because that's what he is called. And he said it was going to be easy. I just wonder how easy it could be. May the Lord bless you and let's find out together. God bless.